Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today, we're going to be talking about how to use Roth conversions not only to save you money on taxes throughout retirement, but also to protect your spouse in the event that they outlive you in retirement. This episode is based on a listener question. This question comes from Brian. Brian asks the following. He says, hi, James. I'm very close to the top of the 12% federal tax bracket. My wife and I are both 60 years old. I am retiring in January. We will be in the same tax situation after retirement, which is right near the top of the 12% bracket. When one of us passes, the other will move up into the 22% bracket under current rates, although probably higher rates will be passed in the future. Should I convert any traditional IRA to Roth IRA this year or in the next few years when rates may be lower, which would be in the 22% bracket? Brian, thank you for that question. Really appreciate that because I think it hits on something that's really important about Roth conversions is we tend to look at them as being a black and white issue, but the reality is there's all these nuances that come along with them. So that's exactly what we'll be discussing in today's episode. And before we do so, I want to quickly highlight the review of the week. This comes from username Johnny64, who gives the podcast a five-star review and says, I listen to a lot of financial podcasts, and this is one of my favorites. Very concise by providing great information in a 20 or so minute length. Other podcasts are typically too long and run out. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Johnny64. And if you are listening and enjoying this podcast or have found value in some of this content, would really appreciate it if you too leave a review. It's one of the main ways that more people can find the show and can better prepare for their retirement. So thank you to all of you who have left reviews. Please, for those of you who have not yet done so, please take a few seconds to do so be greatly appreciated. And now let's jump back to the episode. Here's where we oftentimes get things wrong with Roth conversions. We think it's simple enough. We think, will you be in a higher tax bracket today or in the future? Now at its core, that is the right question. If you're going to be in a higher tax bracket in the future, you're more likely to want to do Roth conversions today. If you're in a higher tax bracket today, than you will be in the future. You're probably going to want to shy away from Roth conversions. Here's where it gets confusing, though. Number one, you want to make sure that you're looking at your marginal tax bracket, not just your effective tax bracket. So your marginal tax bracket tells you what you'll be paying on any new Roth conversions or what taxes you'll be saving on any pre-tax contributions. That's first thing. I think most people somewhat grasp that. The second thing is, well, what if tax brackets change? It's not the same playing field today that it will be in five years or 10 years or 20 years. That's something that adds an extra layer of nuance to that conversation. What will your income be comprised of in the future? So not just what will your income be, but what will it be comprised of? Now, in your working years, it's most likely almost entirely salary. Pretty simple to understand what your taxes on your salary will be. It's all tax at ordinary income rates. But what about retirement? Social security, IRA withdrawals, dividends, interest, all these things are taxed differently. So it's one thing to know, okay, I'll have a total of 60,000 or 80,000 or 100,000 of income, but what will be your taxable income at that point? Because that's really what we want to be comparing to today. You have to take into account what will the impact of RMDs be? 
So it could be that you think you know what your income is going to be in retirement, but if you have a substantial amount in a pre-tax account, like an IRA or 401k, that could push you into a much higher tax bracket, which could impact your decision of whether or not Roth conversions make sense. And then finally, understanding not just what will tax brackets be, that's almost impossible to determine because so much can happen in the next 10, 20 plus years, but what will your tax bracket be? This is the one we're going to focus on because as Brian is wisely pointing out, you can't just plan on the tax bracket they're going to be in the first year of retirement, staying the same over time for a number of reasons, one of which is what if one spouse predeceases the other? What that does, apart from the obvious personal things, is it condenses your tax bracket. You go from filing taxes as married filing jointly to filing taxes as single. Now, there's a couple years transition where that's a little different, and we'll talk about that, but it really reduces your tax bracket so that the same level of income all of a sudden is subject to a lot more taxes. Let's work through an example for Brian's specific situation. I'm going to make up some numbers to fill in some gaps, but to show you and illustrate how this works. So let's make some assumptions about Brian. One of the things he told us is that he's in the top of the 12% bracket. Well, for 2023, if you are married filing jointly, the top of the 12% bracket is taxable income of 89450 Now, notice I said taxable income, and that's where Brian's taxable income is today, but taxable income is after deductions. So I'm going to assume that Brian and his wife take a standard deduction, which for 2023 is 27700 meaning whatever income you earn right off the top, you can deduct 27700 That's the standard deduction for 2023. So what that means for Brian and his wife is an actual adjusted gross income of $117,150 after taking the standard deduction from that would give them a taxable income of 89450 which fully fills up the 12% bracket. So Brian's income probably isn't exactly that, but as he's saying that he's close to filling up the 12% bracket, I'm going to assume that his income's at about $117,000, his adjusted gross income is at about $117,000, so that after deductions, his taxable income fills up the 12% bracket. So let's take a look at that. Now, if that's the way it's going to be, and as Brian mentioned, he thinks that that will be probably fairly similar throughout retirement, that's a relatively low tax bracket. Now, the brackets start at 10%, then 12%, which is what he's filled up, and then they max out today at 37%, which is the highest federal bracket, before you take into account things like state taxes, uh, IRMA surcharges, net investment income tax, other taxes like that. However, what happens if Brian dies? Well, if Brian were to pass away today, his wife, his spouse, she could use what's called the qualifying widow tax bracket for two years after Brian's death. That tax bracket is the exact same as married filing jointly. So what that means is even if Brian passed away today, his widow, his wife, she could go on to maintain the same tax brackets for the next couple of years. So what that means is for at least a couple of years, there's no tax hit. After that first couple of years, though, there is a tax hit. And just to quantify that, as we mentioned, for 2023 to fully fill up the 12% tax bracket, it would require $89,450 of taxable income. Now, if we compare that to single, so that, that's the, that was the married filing jointly number, the 89450 
To fully fill out that 12% bracket if you're single though, it doesn't take $89,450, it takes half that, $44,725. So here's where some of the planning points come into play. Assume for a second, and this probably isn't reality or realistic, but assume for a second that Brian's wife's income stays at $117,000. Now, the only way it probably stays there is if Brian has some type of 100% joint survivor pension or all the income coming in is from her pension or whatever it might be. Probably not going to actually do that. The, the more likely scenario is they're probably drawing some from IRAs or 401ks and income would actually go down. But if we start with the assumption that her income stays at $117,000, well, let's look at where would that put her. If $117,000 puts the both of them at 12%, let's now start with $117,000 as a single filer. So this assumes that two years go by, she continues to use the married filing jointly tax brackets, and then goes to the single rates. Well, the first thing is her standard deduction gets reduced. Instead of being able to deduct 27700 now her standard deduction is only 13850 so half of what it was before. So now, of that $117,000 of adjusted gross income, assuming again that income stays the exact same, that turns into $103,000, I'm just going to round it, called $103,000 of taxable income. So if Brian's wife now has $103,000 of taxable income, that takes her out of the 12% tax bracket, which is where they were together, and puts her into the 24% tax bracket. Doesn't mean all of her income is taxed at 24%, but it means that she is now in that bracket where any additional dollars earned are taxed at 24%. So that's clearly a, a pretty significant jump. Now, that's just the first thing. The second thing, and Brian mentioned this in his question, is tax brackets are projected to go up. So current tax rates expire, they sunset after the end of 2025, which means starting in 2026, all these brackets actually go up about 3 or 4%, which means the 24% bracket today actually becomes the 28% bracket starting in 2026. So a more clear assessment or a more accurate assessment of where they actually stand today is today Brian and his wife would be in the 12% marginal bracket and fully filling that up. If Brian predeceases her, if current rates sunset, and if she keeps her income at that $117,000, then she wouldn't actually jump to the 24% bracket. She would actually jump into the 28% bracket starting in 2026. So the jump would go from 12% to 28%. So Brian's question, rightfully so, is he's saying, look, as we're looking at this, I know it's not just about Roth conversions for both of our sake. Now, obviously, we want to consider that. But it's more about should we do them as a way of protecting the surviving spouse? Well, my first inclination under these assumptions, and again, I think these assumptions are a little faulty. My first assumption is yes. If you're going to go from the 12% bracket to the 28% bracket, absolutely some conversions could be a helpful, helpful thing to mitigate the impact of that. What I said, though, and as I said, is these assumptions are faulty. They're faulty being I am making the assumption that Brian's wife if he passed before her, would still continue to live on $117,000 of income. And if she did that, as we mentioned, she would be in the 24% marginal bracket today, which would become the 28% marginal bracket in 2026, assuming tax law doesn't change before then. 
Now, and I'm rounding a bit, if her income is under $109,000, then she'd actually be in the 22% bracket, and if it was under $58,600, then she'd remain in the 12% bracket like she and Brian are in today. So with this, what are the planning points as we take a look at this? I don't know exactly what Brian's wife, what her income would be if Brian passed away first, but here's the planning points that both Brian and any of us can look to implement as it pertains to this. Number one is try to get some accurate assessment of what would the surviving spouse's actual income be if one spouse passed away first. The reality is for most people, it's going down. Now, it's not going to go down probably by half because let's assume, for example, you have a home and there's a mortgage, or even if there's no mortgage, there's property taxes, there's homeowner's insurance. That's the same price whether there's two of you living in the home or one of you living in the home. Maybe you've got things like utility bills or water or gas. Yes, those things are going to go down a bit with only one spouse, but it's not going to go down by 50%. So typically, you're not going to have a 50% reduction in expenses for the surviving spouse, but you will have some reduction. You're not feeding two people. You're not filling up two tanks of gas. You're not doing things that would ordinarily have to fund two people. It's just one. Second planning point, and this is if you're purely looking at this from a financial standpoint, because the surviving spouse would have two years of being able to file taxes married, filing jointly, but would actually have a lesser income than they did in previous years, those could be great years for Roth conversions. Now, here's the reality. Those two years aren't years where the surviving spouse is thinking about tax-efficient planning strategies and the long-term impact of Roth conversions. That's not reality. The reality is those couple of years, their surviving spouse is often grieving and adjusting and trying to figure out what life looks like without their spouse. So to look at that and say, oh, well, great, we'll just push all tax strategy those two years is missing the bigger picture. Yes, those would be the best years financially because income typically goes down while tax brackets stay the same, but that's just a horrible thing to think of. Okay, the surviving spouse will have to be responsible for doing all this on top of mourning, on top of adjusting, on top of trying to figure out the rest of your financial picture. Now, if you have an advisor or someone else kind of doing these on your behalf without the surviving spouse having to think about it, that, that is a wonderful time to do it. Again, if we're just thinking about the financial aspect and removing any personal element or removing any emotional element, but we have to look at it realistically. We can't expect a surviving spouse to be on top of that because of everything else that's going on, especially in those first couple of years. The other planning point, I, I started with this, but do your best to estimate income needs in the future. So you probably know your tax bracket today. If not, just go look at last year's tax return. And if income's fairly similar, it should show you what was the marginal tax bracket that you're in, or at least what was the effective tax bracket. Run an analysis of what are the things you're spending on today And roughly speaking, how might those change if one spouse predeceased the other? That's going to give you a more accurate assessment of what will your income needs be today? What will your taxable income today be to support life? Versus what would taxable income need to look like for your surviving spouse? And how can you start to compare those two as you're looking to potentially do some Roth conversions today to help protect the surviving spouse? Another planning point is one of the best things you can do for a surviving spouse, and not just a surviving spouse, but you as well, for the two of you going into retirement, is have flexibility. Can you have a mix of pre-tax accounts, Roth accounts, taxable accounts? 
We have no idea where tax brackets will be well into the future. We don't know some of the different tax provisions that will come along down the line. But having flexibility, not having all of your money in a 401k or not having all of your money in different types of accounts, but having it not evenly allocated, but at least have some diversification of types of accounts can provide some flexibility for the future. And then finally this, understand that an actual Roth conversion analysis is always going to be inaccurate. We so badly want it to be perfectly precise with exactly where our taxes today, exactly where will taxes be in the future, exactly what's my income today, exactly what will be in the future, exactly how will that be made up from social security and pension and dividends and interest and Roth withdrawals and IRA withdrawals. There's no possible way you're going to get everything just perfect. Now you can get close, but understand that everything is going to be, to some extent at least, a guess, an assumption of what will the future look like. So sometimes it helps to reframe the decision to do a Roth conversion almost as tax insurance. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at it today. I have life insurance so that if I pass away, my wife and my child would be okay. Now, I hope my wife and my child never need to rely upon my life insurance to be okay. I want them to be fine because I'm still here and bringing in an income to support the family. So my best case scenario is that my life insurance ends up becoming a huge waste of money because what that means is I end up getting what I really wanted, which is life, of course, to put it simply. So I am fine if I end up paying into the life insurance policy for decades and decades and end up not getting anything out of it. In fact, I prefer that outcome. How does that compare to Roth conversions? Well, in the same way that I hope my wife and child never need to rely upon life insurance to be okay, if I'm putting myself in Brian's shoes, I'm almost hoping my wife never has to rely on Roth conversions to be okay. So in other words, the best case scenario is it ends up being potentially a waste of money. And that's best case scenario because what that means is he ended up getting what he wanted all along, which is a long life with his spouse, but also lower taxes in the future. If Roth conversions end up being a waste of money today, it means that taxes didn't go up and maybe even went down in the future. Can we live with that? Yeah. That probably means that all things considered, you're in a better position than you otherwise would have been. So it's a way of hedging against what could go wrong. If the worst case scenario is I convert some funds to my Roth or from my IRA to my Roth, and I didn't end up needing to do that because taxes stayed low, I'm probably going to be a happy camper. I'm okay with that outcome. And if taxes do end up going up and maybe even going up more than we thought they would, well, great. We've done the Roth conversions and we're well positioned for that. So thinking of Roth conversions as tax insurance is a way of hedging against what could go wrong, but also if it turns out to be unnecessary, you're still in a great position overall. It means that something better has even happened. Now, I will say we need to balance this tax insurance concept without going overboard to take it to the extreme. You know, if you say, well, this is great. I'm going to convert all of my IRA today to my Roth IRA today. So my wife never has to think about this or my husband never has to think about this. Well, that's not a great use of tax insurance. That's a wrong way of looking at it. In fact, you probably cost yourself and your potential surviving spouse by converting too high. You end up paying way more in taxes than you or a surviving spouse ever would have if you had done 
nothing in this instance. So you do want to be productive with it. You still want to do the formal analysis. You do want to make your best possible guess, your best possible assumptions of what's to happen. And then think of this as tax insurance. Think of this as something that's hedging against what could go wrong, but also accepting the fact that you would be totally fine if this doesn't end up working out financially. It means that other aspects of your plan have, namely that you and your spouse are both enjoying a long, happy retirement and taxes haven't gone up or at least haven't gone up as much as you thought they might. So that's the way that I would think about it. And Brian, I appreciate you bringing this up because again, so often we look at Roth conversions and we start simple, which I think is a good starting point. We start simple and say, okay, where are taxes today and where am I today? Where do I think taxes will be in the future? Where do I think I will be in the future? But once we start to realize all the nuance, the nuance of what about changing tax brackets, the nuances about the different ways income will be taxed in the future, whether it's social security or IRAs or dividends or interest, when we think about the impacts of RMDs, when we think about the impact of one spouse predeceasing the other, there's so many variables. And instead of trying to get the perfect scenario and predicting perfectly what's going to happen, which will never happen, how can we start to understand where is the greatest weakness in our plan? What would present the worst case scenario for ourselves or at least a surviving spouse? How can we protect against that? And that's another consideration, even when doing things like Roth conversions, which at the surface appear just a way to reduce your income taxes throughout the retirement, but it can also be a wonderful way to protect a spouse. So Brian, thank you again for that question. I hope that was helpful to answer your question directly. For everyone else listening, I hope this was a helpful way of viewing and framing the different ways that Roth conversions can protect you and or a surviving spouse. I always appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're looking to work with a financial advisor that cares deeply about helping you get the most out of life with your money, head over to our website at rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here. One of our advisors would love the opportunity to speak with you. You can also find the show notes for today's episode on our website, along with other great content that will help you to create a wonderful retirement. And finally, if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer in a future episode, then from our website, click on the learn tab, scroll down just a bit on that page, and then click submit a question to submit a question that I will answer in a future episode. Again, that can all be found at rootfinancialpartners.com. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.